From the art of the deal to keeping it real. Live from the Simply Vegas studios, it's the Power Move with John Gafford. Back again, back again for another episode of the Power Move. I'm your host, John Gafford. This is a podcast. We try to talk about business. We talk about life. We talk about interesting things. Try to get you from one place where you are now to the next. With me to my left, as always, is the Bulgarian mongoose, Colt Amadan. Or Michael Miller. That's who stole my identity on Instagram and oh, has you? more followers than me. <laughs> I love that how, made me feel bad today. There's not a, going to lie. There's a fake account on Instagram and they have more followers than Colt. So, so fake you is better than real <laughs> Way you. better. Yeah, but way, fake you probably I, puts I out lost, some effort. Way better. And I pipe, lost friends. And piping in from the couch is... The counselor, Chris Connell. How are you, counselor? Gentlemen, always good. Always good. And in the hot seat today, ladies and gentlemen, we have one of my oldest and dearest friends, believe it or not. And he's not here because he's one of my friends. As a matter of fact, the fact that he's one of my friends probably makes him not want to be here. But <laughs> the uh, we, we have him here because it's an interesting story. Noel is the president of probably one of the most interesting restaurant concepts that's well it's not a restaurant concept hospitality concepts attraction Attraction. we'll call it um essentially noel makes millions of dollars selling cold air is what he does and if you talk about what that is but but there's more than (laughs) we're we're not just he noel is the president of of the ice bars here in las vegas and they've also scaled some across the country and uh noel's got a cool story man i mean i figured the reason that i called noel is not just because you're going to listen to this and say how can I become brutally successful selling cold air? That's not why I, why I had him in. Why I had him in is as the economy starts to turn and starts to change, and I'm seeing these companies lay a lot of people off. Well, Noel and I have been friends for a, lot of, for a long time, and I saw him get smoked in, in, a, in a downturn type deal where he lost something that was a lifetime literally of work for you, fell apart. And then the climb back to where you are now is a, is a pretty good story. It really is. Without a doubt. It, uh, you know, life will throw a lot of unexpected things at you, and uh, some people can crawl under a rock under the bed and never come out of it. Uh, yeah. I got a lot of shit thrown at me. No, you, you did, man, for sure. But before we get to your story, man, we got to talk about some current events as we go along. So the first thing is, I'm pretty proud of us, boys. Pretty proud. Pretty proud. There are. All of our wives this weekend went away to the beach and stayed at the Newport house. I am proud to report. Seven kids went. Seven ki- kids. Seven are still seven alive. Seven kids are still back. alive. Yeah. yeah. They're we, still alive. All seven of kids. our children survived the weekend. Seven kids arguably alive. Yeah. Are you, I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No trips to the hospital. No stitches. Everything's fine. And, and I, we were talking about this earlier. So let's get in. Tr- well, actually, let's see the frequency at which our wives listen to the show. <laughs> let's just see if this <laughs> even, never going to hear this. Nope. Let's see if, let's see <laughs> if this good. even comes up. We're so good. my experience, and I think we discussed and everybody had a similar experience, was my house might have been cleaner the whole time my wife was gone and had nothing to do with me cleaning anything up. It just had to do with not letting the minions run the asylum. Control. Lack of tolerance. I think that was it. Yeah, I had a zero tolerance policy. That's so funny that all three of us, that was the first thing we all said. Yeah, I mean, my exactly. House smelled like a tropical... <laughs> Beautiful Tommy Bahama. It was nice. It was like I could see I could see Colt laid out in the bathtub with like some bad bombs and a bad glass bomb. of white wine. I could tell Red did, wines, John. Get it right. Get it right. I could see you doing this like the kids banging on the door and you're like 
Daddy's Daddy in needs his relaxed time. time. <laughs> Daddy, Daddy needs time. time. Connell, Connell, truth be told, did the maids come before the wife? He came. Nope. <laughs> nope. Smells no, so I, fresh I, I no. went through so. and I got to. So the beauty was, I got to throw a lot of shit out that I would never dare risk doing while she's there. Won't yeah. notice it. Undercover. Yeah, I think the best part of it was the fear in your eyes though when you're like, "What have you done? Now I have to take care of my own children." <laughs> yeah. what Carl said to me. Well, I just anyway. didn't sign up for that. <laughs> You know, I had no intent of ever being. I mean, I don't want to be a father on canceled. paper. Like, a, you know, I want to be a celebrity on paper. Right I don't yeah. actually want to be one. I want yeah. to be one on paper. No one said I have to do the work. Yeah, yeah exactly. I just I want to be able to call up and get a good. This is why I said I'll be John Grisham famous. Hopefully, one day, where nobody knows what you look like. It never, yeah. you know, you're not being followed to the bathroom in Disneyland. Yeah, but you can call up a restaurant and get a good table. That's what I wanted out of fatherhood. Yeah. To like get the big piece of chicken, to have the <laughs> yeah. day where you gotta, you know, bring me golf socks or whatever. That's it. Yeah. But but that's basically that's where the line it. is. <laughs> that's, that's just where the line. So Colt, I gotta believe. Speaking of being followed into the bathroom at Disneyland, I gotta believe you have a story of this. I'm just gonna. <laughs> I don't know. This. Bathroom. <laughs> uh, I, you know what? It's. Um, <laughs> What happened to me the other day at the bathroom? I was really disgusted by it. I can't remember. Give me a second. Cut, I was thinking. No, yeah. What happened to me in the bathroom the other day? I was really, really disgusted, disgusted by it. If you ever know, if you ever know like, what it's like to be on a reality show, like you would say something like that, and it would definitely get jump cut and something oh, yeah. else. Yeah. yeah. What, would, what happened, what in the bathroom happened to my reality show? What happened? Some guy interviewed me. What? And go. No, it's no. I don't. No I don't. I don't know. I can't remember. Something just happened. I was so disappointed. Oh, you know what it was? The guy straight up started to have a conversation with me and try to shake my hand in the bathroom. Oh. In the bathroom and hadn't even washed it. That's what it was at, at the at town square at the urinal. Yeah, you don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't. Don't tell, I don't tell my there Don go, King story. <laughs> don't tell you the Don King story. No. So. A million years ago, when I was running Cobalt Lounge in Atlanta, we had all the Super Bowl parties during Super Bowl 2000. I walk in the bathroom in the VIP area, and, uh, and Don King's in the bathroom, right? Stealing money from <laughs> somebody? No, 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 no. He walks in, and I'm just in there, because I was like, whatever, the little bathroom attendant guy needed something. I was doing something, right? I wasn't milling around the bathroom for no yeah, reason. Yeah, right. There was a reason <laughs> I, I was the same there. thing. No, a plexical burst. Right. No, 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 no. <laughs> so I'm in there, and he walks in, and he washes his hands, and then he goes to the urinal, and then he turns to walk out. And I'm standing there, and I kind of had this look on my face, like, and he looks at me and doesn't even say, he goes, when you shake as many hands as I do, you wash your hands before you touch the dick. <laughs> He's not wrong. No, he really like, isn't. I was like, okay. That's the cleanest thing on your body. Yeah, oh, that's, yeah. That's my, Don, that's my Don King story. There it was. But, you know, I, I did you, want to talk about something else. I want to throw something Is else. it about the death penalty? Because I want to. No, feel free for death penalty. I feel like if you go to another man and there's a urinal that could have divided you and you go to the one beside the you other can. man, I think it's. I don't believe in the death penalty for a lot of reasons. Oh, I think but the law gets so wrong. fun to mess with. That's, that's a positive. So, so directly you're guilty of this there should just be like some kind of drone that that hovers so, over so help, help me here because my son 10 years old raiders game this weekend mm -hmm. big crowd stadiums are he's difficult. got a choice one guy's here a couple empty ones over and, and you see and he goes to three or four and, and, he, and he's running away right yeah. and i guess that's pretty normal but 
There's a lesson there somewhere. Well, the lesson is he's like three and a half feet, four feet tall. He's in the spray zone. <laughs> that's yeah. that's like, like, you got to choose a lot. I'm out. Yeah, you got to choose a lot more careful than we do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. that. Stay clear of other yeah. men in the urinal when you have choice. When possible. Yeah. But when you ever have a choice. When possible. When or, possible. Or make it super weird. I had a friend a long time ago in Orlando that would always <laughs> come up and stand next to me at the urinal in a crowded restroom and just lean over and go, hey, great penis. <laughs> and everybody would just make it very strange, uh, which, is, which is good. But I'll tell you what else is strange. All right, let's talk about a conspiracy theory that I believe may be true. Uh-oh. I heard this one over the weekend, and it resonated with me. made a lot of sense. I have no idea if it's accurate. Could just whatsoever. be a theory. Could just be a theory. But it was a guy I saw on a podcast, so you know it's real. You know hey. it's true. You know it's Factual. true. So anyway, what this cat was saying was, he goes, uh, his theory was, he goes, listen, in China, the algorithm for TikTok is entirely different than the algorithm in the United States. About positive and negative? Have you heard this? No, yeah. no. In China, the algorithm will reward you for talking about science or mathematics yeah, yeah. It, or this and that. There's a positive. Mm. Yes, there's positive. Whereas in the United States, it rewards you for doing the dumbest possible shit. I don't shit. think that's a conspiracy theory. I, you think that's real? Oh, yeah. I, I think so. I, I was under the impression that that was already established. I didn't know, see, I didn't know that. I thought it was just a conspiracy theory. Yeah. It, it, so essentially, you're, you're training a whole generation of idiots. What do you think we're doing? <laughs> Welcome to America, John. Like, I'm trying to. Listen, John I'm trying to. If you're just figuring this son, out, that's a bomb Talk show. to the guy in the urinal next to you and go, look at that penis. We should be telling people how to exploit those facts. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Not whether or not they exist. That's a good. No, so you're in agreement that that's real? Oh, for you sure. think? 100%. Show me a Chinese TikTok where you got a dad doing it. Some well, dance move. Well, okay. you can, feel like can you I should be punching the other TikTok throat, like building rockets. On can that. I ask my other TikTok question? Which is this: oh, How long God. do you think it is before somebody goes up to somebody in a Home Depot in the state of Florida and knocks their hat off or puts a bucket on their head <laughs> and they pull a gun out and shoot them on the stand their ground with that? Again, that hasn't happened, and it hasn't happened. How long before it? Ha- I mean, it's I, coming. I think those yeah, are dude, set up, though. I don't dude, believe anything. I, I would. I. Hate that they come down my stream on everything I look. These morons that want to bump into people or knock people's head, dude. I I can't wait for you to get shot. I cannot you know I think wait that, for that to happen. If you want to look at that, that optimistically, happen. if you want to be an optimist, yeah. which I think we see so many instances of X Y Z happening. When you look at the actual world, I I argue that most people are honest. I think that most people do the right thing. The shopping cart theory. Yeah, I mean, well, no. Because no, I would I would say that more people are genuinely honest. I think some people don't maybe think they're maybe not self aware, mm-hmm. but I think people want to be in the moment. I think people want to be the good guy in their own movie, yeah. and I think that people will see themselves as the protagonist, oh, no. right? Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the day, I don't think that most people are going to pull out a gun and shoot you at Home Depot. I think when that happens, there's 330 million people in this country. Mm-hmm. And when you're a statistician, you go, well, I see five horrible things happen. Mm-hmm. But you're talking about that's 330 million, it's 229 million blah, 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 who aren't doing crazy shit. Yeah. So if you see guys walking up the escalator, one guy's going down and then he rubs his hand on him and like gives him the eye. And yeah. Most people, you might most catch people the wrong guy, guy, right? You might, catch her, you might get the wrong guy. I mean, you get yeah, these yeah. idiots that go, they're they go to South Central or wherever Compton and start yeah. pretending like they're going to fight somebody. That's I think that's it's a low stupid. statistical a, probability. It's a, yeah, it's a I generational agree. thing though on the genuine. Everyone wants to be the hero, but it's eroding. Oh yeah, 
something, some parts traded of for a like and traded for a yep. you know. A, Here, yeah. Here's an interesting. Here's an interesting thought because I had, I had a little exercise in my own brain this week. I'll share with you. This was interesting. So I won't get into exactly what was going on because it's irrelevant to the story. But what was happening was. So many times in life we get disappointed in other people because they don't behave in a way that we feel we would put in their similar situation. Like leaving bags of ice in a Lamborghini. <laughs> exactly. Leaving bags of ice in a Lamborghini. But, That's amazing. But in case, case in point, case in, we can talk about that in a minute if you want, but case in point, um, there was a situation where somebody close to me was very upset because somebody else was not behaving a way that they felt they would in a similar situation. And so I said, okay, hang on a second. Let me do this. And I said, let me try to think back where there's a time when I didn't act to that standard. And can I find a place in my life when I did? And I think as soon as I thought back and I realized, holy shit, here's a situation where I guarantee somebody wanted me to act a certain way. And I did not, even though what I felt was okay. And maybe I asked that person about it. Is this okay? Whatever down deep, it probably was not to the standard that I'm asking this or thinking this person should act. 100%. And I think if before you get disappointed in others, I mean, look, the Stoics say, and I'm all about modern Stoicism. It's funny. There was a, uh, on modern Stoic today, it literally came up talking about having no expectation for other people. You'll be a lot happier. But I think as humans, I think it's impossible sometimes to do oh, that. Yeah. So, you know, looking at that and before you start to get angry or upset or, or deflated about someone else's actions, just simply place yourself in a similar situation. Look back in your life and say, have I always held myself to that standard? None of us are perfect, but I, but it honestly in my brain was immediately like, and when I was able to vocalize to that, to the person I was talking to, they were like, Oh, I guess that's true. And it kind of diffused that emotion. Well, it's true that's in called a family empathy. setting, but it's also true in a work setting but a little different because there have to be expectations to be set yeah yeah right? works. sometimes they yeah. don't yeah. deliver right but yeah i think the, that's true in a personal relationship correct. it's different than a job i'm paying you like don draper says that's what the money's for yeah. <laughs> you know it's just at the end of the <laughs> day i'm true. not paying yeah. i'm not paying to empath for no, a friendship a, a good boss will probably empathize with employees to a point as long mm. as it's not disruptive to your business that's where the coaching piece comes in right? yeah that's where you, it does. You, you you can get it you can get them to good in my it defense does. it was eight truly's deep <laughs> so sorry john yeah there was yeah um for those of you wondering about the lamborghini thing this weekend we ordered our buddy uh, aj bet with aj you can go back and check out his episode if you like one of the best sports handicappers here in vegas i told him which is this is really strange to me and aj i hope you're watching buddy because jesus is if not you. i'm sending you yeah, if not we'll send it to you but so let me tell you so here's what AJ does. So AJ, first of all, I call, he says, I say, Hey man, we're taking the sprinter to the, to the tailgate, which was awesome, by the way, it worked out perfectly. And, uh, and come on down. So he shows up like, as we're walking to the stadium, he says he's coming at like 11 and he's texting constantly the whole time. There in a minute, there in a minute, there in a minute shows up as we're walking to the stadium. And as we get right in front of the stadium, he goes, are you guys going to the game? <laughs> it's like, right. yeah, dude. He goes, where are you, Chris? I'm like, watching kickoff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. Yeah, yeah, dude, we're going to the game. He's like, oh, I didn't know we were going to the game. I thought we were just going to hang out in the parking lot. That's what we did in college. I go, no, the, the tailgate is the pregame. And we have money now. We and can then, of buy course, tickets to the game. So he's, yeah, so he, but, he's <laughs> calling, <laughs> but he's calling Colt saying, what can I bring? Or called you or somebody. And they're like, bring two yeah. bags of ice. He rolled up in a quarter of a million dollar Lamborghini, parked it, left two bags of ice in it, <laughs> In the front seat. And came in the game with us. And shockingly enough, it did not melt. So, AJ, whatever you're doing, you're doing it right. Because if that was my car, God would have flooded that thing. (laughs) The sticks would have been floating. 110 degrees out with 90% humidity. No kidding. 
four so, hours. That's amazing. It was amazing. That is amazing. It was amazing. So I if you're still listening, that's 15 minutes of nonsense. Well, th- thank you for staying with us. Hopefully, I'll, <laughs> I'll make sure I tag this so we can get to what we want to talk about today. But again, today's show is about overcoming adversity as much and more than it is about selling. There, there's a lot of good lessons in Noel's story, and I want to kind of go through them. So as you're telling it, if I stop you and kind of dig deeper, let's do that. So first of all, I mean, I know all this stuff, so it's a little redundant for me. But for those of you who don't know Noel, where did you grow up? Tell us about the young age. Tell us about you as a kid, man. Grew up in New Orleans, Louisiana. All my family's still there. Migrated to a little town of sand dunes called Destin, Florida, 1977. Mm-hmm. I got off to LSU for a few years and found myself in Orlando. Well, stop this. Hang on a second. Because we always ask this question. Go Tigers. This is, go Tigers. This is, the question. <laughs> this is the question that we always ask, which is, what was the first hustle as a kid to make money? What was the first thing you can remember doing to make money? Ten years old, cleaning up a parking lot of a bar called Hog's Breath Saloon. Famous place out, yeah. out of Fort Walton's where it started and mm-hmm. managed to be Key West Cancun. Clean up the parking lot for five bucks a day and a free Coca-Cola. How'd you get that gig? Went in and asked for it because I needed some money. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything I can do to make some money at 10 years and, old? And yeah, it was a, uh, you know, it was a grind. I needed something to do. And I, I, I saw the fruits of my bigger brother's labor as he was working and uh, became important. So, uh, and it was tough. Broken bottles, glass everywhere. It was, it was hot. OSHA uh, compliant. Yeah, it was, exactly. It was, wasn't OSHA compliant at all. There's a lot of that from our, from our younger days, I guess. So that was the first hustle. And then you went to LSU. Went off to LSU. I was bartending uh, through college. Was that uh, the first job in hospitality? Was no, it, I'd, I'd kind of come up through a restaurant in the Destin area, bar backing and busboying and mm-hmm. whatnot, shucking oysters and... Uh, and it uh, actually paved the way to open that door at LSU when I needed some money. It wasn't a, a free ride over there. I kind of worked my way through college. Yeah. Uh, and then got out of there and kind of wound up in Orlando, Florida. Mm-hmm. That's kind of really where the, the saga begins. Uh, I was looking for a job, and um, someone told me there was this place uh, that's about to open, and they have this cool thing called a Bloomin' Onion. And uh, I started at one of the very first uh, Outback Steakhouses. What was your employ- What was your employee number? Oh, I good thought one, good one. You good told me it was like, if I recall correctly, I want to say it was like 27. Is that accurate? I don't know. Maybe. I don't really remember that. Yeah. Uh, it, it could you told be. me at one point. But I started as a server with them at their yeah. third location. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, you know the story. That thing kind of blew up mm-hmm. um, quickly. And um, that was an interesting story with Outback. It, uh, well, health food has really exploded lately. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's changed a lot. It's changed, yes. it's changed a the lot. The Blooming Onion then. is perfect. I, 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 know, will, perfect I, I will say the food quality at Outback, while still okay, is not nearly what it was when they first opened. No, not at all. Not it's at not all. even remotely the same Not product. at all. Look, I mean, I didn't know that that was going to be a 21-year career for me. Yeah. Uh, I was just trying to make ends meet, and hanging out in Orlando, doing my thing. I think I was 22, 23 uh, never in my life dreamed I would be in hospitality. It was a stop along the way, like it is for most people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they had a great program, and I didn't know that. Eventually, I, they I really didn't pay attention to it. I think my work ethic and my personality and gregariousness uh, kind of had them tapping on my shoulder at some point to uh, get behind the bar and eventually become a trainer. Uh, I think the second year I was there, the company opened a hundred restaurants and I opened probably 40, 40 of those That's a lot. on the road, traveling, uh, making my mark and kind of, it was great. I mean, mm-hmm. I was really having the time of my life. I got to see a lot of things, uh, meet a lot of people, but it, 
I started to see really what the deeper program was about, you know, mm -hmm. in the management, right? I had stars in my eyes of this big trainer, trainer deal. And I learned a lot, great culture with, with this company at the time. Mm -hmm. I didn't open for lunch, it was dinner only. Then I kind of come to find out that their, their GM, they didn't really have GMs, they had partners, put up money, you get a 10%, you know, stake in the business and you run it for five years in your community and you become the mayor, the human resources, the, the maintenance guy, you're everything. And I said, how do I, how do I do this? And I remember to this day, you know, my, uh, my superior at the time said, uh, got to get in the kitchen. I really wasn't a kitchen guy. I was a front of house right. guy from, yeah. from my whole life. And, uh, and, uh, it took a lot of nuts, but I did it. I was in Daytona beach, one of the busier stores that they had. Mm -hmm. And it's funny. I remember being in that kitchen, you know, making those blooming onions and it wasn't easy, right? Six in the morning and it was a 70 hour a week grind. I mean, it was a mm -hmm. grind. And I was like, what am I doing? I mean, I was making less money than I was bartending, you know, and I kind of, but I saw the, 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 the light at the end of the tunnel, these guys were making good money and they had equity. And I, I, I thought it was worth going two steps backwards to take one step forward. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I remember there was a point in time where I was kind of over it. I was like, this, this, this is, this is a grind. This is, this is what everybody says. Don't get in the restaurant business. You're going to burn yeah. yourself mm -hmm. out. Right? right. And there was this old dude, my next door neighbor in Daytona shores, which I lived on the beach. And he was always about his garden retired. We got into this pattern for six months where he'd be out there and I'm, I'm going to work six in the morning. And every day he would look up and he goes, don't let the bastards get you down. <laughs> Seriously, don't, don't let him get you down. True to me to this day. Every day. I mean, this dude was like, "Don't let him get you down." Well, I can tell you, in an industry that's so, will just burn you up and burn you up. That's what I do love about that particular brand is is, the, is they do offer that proprietor. I mean, whenever you walk into a restaurant, and, and they still to this day it says like this is the proprietor of this they business. Do. Right? They, the, the programs part? change quite a bit. It's quite not bit, what it was, but okay. but. but it but worked. there, but there, are, but doesn't Darden do some stuff like that as well? Darden, Darden does, does that as Several well. Several people uh, try to replicate what it was. It's difficult to do. I, I think what you're seeing is it it was there and then that that went away. Yeah. And now with all the labor problems that are happening, especially post COVID, I think you're starting to see some people really understand that, the that. equity of that. And you, these people are soldiers. You know? Well, you know the, the word that you're saying that's most more. You know people people are so short sighted about money today. They get so short sighted about it, they don't understand the value of equity. Equity is everything. It's everything in a business. Um, you can be the most well-paid person in the world, but if you are the one that's operating the business day in and day out, you got to have equity. Absolutely, it, it's what what kept us busy every day. So yeah, you, know. you, you, you got to do it. So you're you're out back in. When did you become? Where, where's your first store that you were proprietor? I was one of the youngest partners at 26, uh, and uh, I made my way to uh, Utah. Oh Col yeah, that's Col right. That, that's right. Well, up your deal. So I traveled around all over Florida as a manager and uh, cutting my teeth. I was asked to come to Vegas in the early 90s. I think I moved here in, uh, in 89, or I'm sorry, about 93. Mm -hmm. And we opened all of the Outbacks here in town. Uh, I was still a manager, kind of moving around. Then we developed the Salt Lake City market. I moved out there, got uh, one of the first ones in Salt Lake going, and then I took the one, believe it or not, Catholic boy from New Orleans, had to spend five or six years in Provo, Utah. Oh, wow. Oma, <laughs> the BYU uh, Cougars. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. And then from there, uh, you know, I'd really uh, done well. One of the lowest liquor mixes in the company, and I had just tremendous numbers and uh, migrated my way back to Tampa mm -hmm. and uh, wound up uh, having a store right next to our home office. Uh, the equity grew. In that situation, when you re-sign again, you have the opportunity to buy into a deeper, mm -hmm. deeper stack if you will, the company, 
and then made my way up to a joint venture partner. We uh, partnered with Jimmy Buffett and uh, operated a, a concept called Cheeseburger in Paradise. I had the whole state of Florida. Mm-hmm. Started developing some things. Uh, company. Had what happened? Of, what, what happened with that? That seemed like that seemed like a can't miss deal. Was was it too yeah. much? Too much competition with like Margaritaville. Like what happened there? No, I think uh, you know, that, we never really talked about what happened. You know, at the time our company had gone private. We went public, went private, public again, and things were kind of changing. We got we were twelve hundred restaurants, sixty thousand employees. I mean, oh, we started at three. Crazy. It was a huge ride. Uh, some buyouts, some stock, etc. I think the cheeseburger thing is uh, we acquired uh, a Mexican concept that went out of business, and we took over forty sites. I think we just grew too fast, way too fast. We didn't have the infrastructure. Uh, it was a lot of things, but the concept itself, I, I think had legs, the culture that, that Jimmy Buffett brings, you know, everyone's on vacation, you know, it's, it is paradise found. It mm-hmm. was a neat thing, uh, especially when we tried to bring that to middle America. Uh, I think it worked, but we grew a little too fast. Well, I think if you're open and trying to open 40 doors that quick, the logistics must've just smoked you and trying to get product that was consistent. Incredibly tough yeah. on all points, right? Yeah. On all that. So, you know, with that said, uh, you know, that's kind of where we, get into you know the exit about 20 21 years later i mean mm-hmm. it, it uh it hit hard it wasn't a pretty exit for me yeah it was uh, i'd gone through a lot of personal things if we're going to get right into the yeah. you know the the, the the hit and bottom type of thing which i think is really what we really want to get into with this segment um you know not to get too personal but but i i lost three kids with my former marriage mm-hmm. had to bury three kids uh kind of had a rough ending to that outback deal and things that changed quite a bit it, it was probably time but you know, it didn't end very well at that point in time. Uh, I wound up moving back to Vegas, <clears throat> kind of out of work, and this was when the heart, uh, housing crash kind of oh, happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, long story short, you know, within a six-month period of time of, of, you know, having that personal tragedy stuff happen to moving back to Vegas to, to uh, divorce and bankruptcy, mm-hmm. I turned 40 years old, um, <clears throat> you know, with nothing to show for it. I dumped all of my Outback buyout into a huge house in um, Mountain's Edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably, you know, at the time the robo signing was going on, I dumped it all. Thinking, yeah. hey, I don't want a debt, I don't have a job, let me just dump it all in here and make sure I got an asset that's, that's or safe. Yeah, or something, and of course, you know, divorce and then, and then eventually bankrupt. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, I was sitting with nothing. You know? Yeah, I, I remember I remember that time um, with you and and man, it was a it was a real struggle. There were days. I mean, you moved in with a friend of ours, yep. and uh, that was nice enough to kind of let you couch surf. Saved my life. So I mean, yeah, but I mean, you know, here you were. You're 40 years old. Marriage is dissolving. Bankruptcy. Just lost the house. I mean, this was you. You were you were struggling. Yeah, big time. And and our buddy Pike let you move in couch surf with him. And I'll never forget. You called me up one day and you said, okay. You know, I got to do something. I got to do something. You said there's this margarita slash slash uh, margarita slash ice cream deal. It's Caesars. I can go manage it. You know, it's not a job I necessarily want, but you know, they're going to pay me a hundred grand. What would you do? Now I'm asking yep. what I would do, and I was like, I mean, shit, man, you need money. It's a hundred grand. Take a hundred grand. Just go. Yes, it'll get your feet on you. Find something different. And you did. And I'm going to show a picture real quick. <laughs> You look up on the screen, I'm going to show you this. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, there's a picture of Noel 
And when I first walked up to when I first walked up on him, I was like, that bro. little cutie. Huh? I was like, you didn't tell. I'm like, you didn't, you didn't tell me there was a hat involved. Yeah. Sean, I, I remember this day. I mean, I, I do because my heart hit the ground when I saw you because I didn't think anybody was going to see me here. Yeah. I was scooping ice cream at, at at 40 years old. Why? Yeah, because I wanted to pay my child support and I wanted to do yeah. my responsible thing. But uh, it was a tough ego. Dude, pop. So bow tie and well, a little top hat. Yeah. Can well, we talk about a hundred grand for ice cream scooping? Yeah. Well, well, it was right, it was I know he's running it. I know he's running it. This guy was, of the story. I, I was a really underground ice spy bartender because the the gentleman that kind of brought me on was like, I think something's going wrong here. Yeah. And I need you to kind of infiltrate and see what's going Take on. A look. And, uh, and uh, but but I literally. Scooping ice cream. So the first, okay, let, let me ask you this. Cause this is, cause dude, there's going to be some people out there, man, that have to go through this and you're going to have to swallow your ego and you're going to have to do what you got to do. And you're going to have to take, you know, when you're used to being on step 57 and all of a sudden you're back at zero looking at step number one and you're going to have to swallow that. So what was that first day? Like when you're like, okay, I'm going to put this on, I'm going to go do this. What was that like? You know, I had to look at myself in the mirror and almost pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And look, it was a dark time for me. It, mm -hmm. You know, I don't yeah. know if I was really me. I look back on it and go, God, I was, I'm lucky I survived this. Most people don't just on the personal tragedy right. alone. Mm -hmm. Forget the bankruptcy and yeah. the divorce and the money. Uh, it was a lot of heavy, heavy shit. And, uh, but I knew, uh, and there was times that I didn't, I mean, I probably went five, six months without the job, kind of going, nobody would touch me. No yeah. corporate America chain would, would work. At, no one was hiring. The housing crash was going on. So, yeah, but desperate times call for desperate measures. And I remember driving to work going, you know, I got to get this done. And believe it or not, I did it for my daughter. That's what I had to pay that, that, that child support and then do my part there. And that's what kind of kept me alive on that. So, yeah. you know, the human spirit, as we sure. talked about earlier, right. kind of prevails. Well, and, and listen, there's probably a lot. There, somebody is listening to this right now going, $100,000 to scoop ice cream. I'll wear whatever the hell you want. Right. Yeah, I don't need that. But, but you have to understand something else. Everything right. is relative. And right. you're talking about yep. somebody that had been very successful making well past $100,000 a year and literally back to zero. I mean, this, this is everything. It, is it wasn't 100, by the way. It was 60. Oh, was, was it 60? No. Oh, you, I, I graduated to 100 when I oh, found okay. another job after that. All right. So. Well, it's 60. I don't, see so, now, see now the story might change. Right. I don't know if the house was But this is like a perfect thing of you're not starting over from zero, right? You've got so much experience now. You're not starting over like you did when you're 18 or 20. And I think people are afraid to start over in life because they think it's, well, this is how it was when I was 18 years old. You mm -hmm. have so much more education. Well, Colt, I'll, I'll tell you that I got lucky with 60. I was prepared to take whatever. Yeah. Right. I couldn't oh, yeah. get anything. Right. I yeah. got, I really fell into that, that it was good. Uh, but I was prepared to do whatever it took. Sure. But, so but just, here, just, just as a, as a power move point, something that people forget and miss all the time. And it kind of got glossed over there. Um, there is a huge value in bankruptcy. I just, I, I think a lot of people don't appreciate that step in the story. And they're always so worried about it. They go, Oh my God, it's, it's the end of the world, but, but it's not, it, right. it's actually hard something. Yeah. It's a hard yeah. reset. And, and, and to your point, had you not been in the middle of a housing crisis, right? Had you been there today, like you could still keep all the equity right. in your house effectively right. in Nevada. I just, like I said, I think some people, they forget about that step and the it's ego, hugely important. Ego prevented me from doing that for right. almost two years. Yeah. I wish I would have done it two years 100%. earlier. It's a, it's a system that's in place for a reason. For a reason. And I'll tell you without it would not, 
it would be a, a very struggle to get back to where I was. I had a lot of debt. It was two houses, a Florida house, and there was a house yeah. here. There was a lot going on. Oh, I forgot about the Florida because you couldn't house. sell it either because the market either. turned. That's right. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. right. I just thought it was important because that's a valuable no, business that, lesson right. yeah. that people think that it's the end of the world. Oh, yeah. to, you can walk out in Nevada a millionaire well, I after think, bankruptcy, well, by the way. Well, well, I know, but I, I think, too, I think a lot of people, I think, like you said, it's pride. It's, it's pride, 100%. Same thing goes for unemployment. Right. Pay, a lot of people don't want to do unemployment. I don't need employment. You put into it. Right. Take it. It's a I program. Tell any employee that ever leaves me today, I said, if you have it, take it. It is not about pride. Get yeah. the check. It, you've earned it. 100%. You put into it, and that's part of the deal. Get the check, and that's part that's of the deal. That's a very valuable point that people miss. But I think now, so here you are. You didn't scoop ice cream very long. It didn't last very long. No, I managed to get another job. But here's the point. But here's the point. The point was, you tried for six months. I mean, hitting every every job there was, trying to get something, trying to get anywhere. But because when you're, uh, it's like dating. <laughs> when you when you ain't had a girlfriend in a year, <laughs> yeah, how long's it been since you had a girlfriend? Yeah, I don't want to date you. Yeah, but, she's okay. <laughs> yeah, but when but when you got three girlfriends, girlfriend number four, four wants to know good. why. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so when you if you don't have a job and you want a job, just it's okay to take something because if you look like you're gamefully employed, even if it's even if it's something one step at a time one step at a time that's hard for people to gather and yeah. grasp but you have to do it you, you have just, to do it so if you're out there and you're having you're having the struggle and i know it sucks it's heavy and everyone's got their own issues right mine was heavy and not on the personal side it was super heavy and you just got to do it if not you're going to wither you're going to wither away you got to take that step yeah. take whatever comes to you because you're going to learn something from it 100%. And, and it will it yep. will open other doors yep so you go to so from there, where do you, where do you wind up? I went over to a seafood restaurant in Mandalay Bay. Mm -hmm. uh, I got lucky there, and uh, I was a GM of a place called RM Seafood. Oh, yeah. Um, Rick Moonen, buddy. With Rick Moonen. Thank you, Rick. Or if you're watching this, he, mm -hmm. he was very educational, and I learned a lot about food. Back of house was always my weakness. But at the same time, I had to make some tough choices there because he had this real high-end upstairs chefs, sous chefs, and this yeah. whole labor thing going on, and and. No one was out. Vegas was struggling. Yeah. So I kind of had to convince him to just turn this thing and let's shut some things down. Let's make this thing viable. Let's get through this this period. And it was tough. We had to let some people go. And, uh, you know, it was not easy. How much did, because Rick has notoriously high standards with the way things operate in his places. How much of that did you did you take on to yourself? Did you take on going forward? Because, like, let's face it. We worked at chain restaurants. You train. Here's this. But dude, it's nothing like the standards that that a chef of his level expects, and I know what his level of expectation. Yeah, look, I mean, chef-driven places are a little different. I mean, just from a pure business point yeah. of view, I think Rick and I had an understanding of. Uh, he was he's a smart dude. He knows what mm -hmm. he's doing in the kitchen. He's great with the camera. His book was doing well. You know, he'd turned through some GMs. He'd had quite a few. And I was a little worried, you know, I'm, I'm number six in a short amount of time. Why are you burning these people out? And um, so chef-driven things are a little different. They operate front of house a little different. It's not a separation of church and state, yeah. right? Artist so, brain. But no, I, I learned a lot about uh, uh, how to balance that, where we didn't really have that in the in the corporate side were, that we were on, right? Yeah. But it was it's intense, man. It, it's intense. And I was a guy that didn't really know a whole lot about culinary. I mean, I knew, I knew my way around, but I was more business, right? labor people let's let's marketing let's get the sales in let's let's figure out how we're going to get through this downturn in the housing deal uh but at the same time he was tough man he was a tough dude to work with and mm -hmm. he had a very high standard you're very correct so yeah what was it what was your favorite thing you accomplished when you were at RM? uh you know i think the unfortunate side is we had the business savvy enough to to whittle it down and get it still profitable with what was going on in the market and that right. was the hard part so yeah i think we he, he could have 
really gotten strangled in that thing. I think we got him to a point where we we got it t- running and operating correctly. I don't re- I don't recall. Was Boiler Room open before or after? No, Boiler after. Room was after. Yeah, after. so this was okay, the upstairs kind of deal. Uh, when it was that tasting, tasting deal, yeah, yeah, really, yeah. really high end stuff. Good, yeah, good stuff. So, anyways, you know, to carry that story on, I, as I would would work there, uh, right across the hall, there was this construction banner coming up mm-hmm. with this. Uh, Minus five thing, right? Mm-hmm. So I didn't really know what that was about. But, uh, you know, I kind of, uh, it opened up and uh, I met the folks that were actually running it, mm-hmm. uh, who's Mal, my current business partner. And uh, they kind of tapped me to come over. They needed some help. They <laughs> didn't pick the right people to start with. And I was like, you know, all right, let me let me get out of this environment with this <laughs> I'm, chef-driven deal. So I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because I've, I've had two terrible pieces of advice I've given in my life. I mean, dreadful pieces. The first of which is when I got, when I was living in Tampa and I got a rough cut of what would be Zach Brown's debut album. And prior to this, Zach Brown had a more of a rock edge to it and uh, was almost kind of like driving and crying. And then they super countryed it up. And I called my buddy Sonny and I said, this is never going to work. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there goes my career as an A&R rep, number one. And then when Noel tells me about this opportunity with the ice place, I'm like, bro, that shit's never going to make it. Is that <laughs> so their first goes one? to show. You, you're, you're, you're very funny on that because as I took the job, I went back to all of my restaurant people and I'm like, what are you? crazy that doesn't have so wasn't just me it doesn't have lace look truth be told i i i I wish i could take credit for you know creating this wonderful concept that's not that's from a a wonderful guy named craig ling he's a a new zealander he kind of created this deal and and kind of got it here to vegas and uh i was fortunate enough to come on in a very very i mean months after it opened and uh and we didn't have it right in the beginning, you know, nope. for, you know, for those listening, I'm, I don't know if you know what, what ice bars are now. Well, John, you tell me. What I'm going to, I'm going to pull it up and I'm going to, well, you keep talking. I'm going to yeah, pull it so up. So it's an attraction where we coach you up and whisk you into a winter wonderland of 90 tons of ice and you drink cocktails out of glasses made of ice. Uh, in, in the beginning, we're in fur coats, fur coats, yeah, what, fur, coats faux yeah. fur coats, the whole bit. And it's, 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 it's an attraction. However, when I first came on, you know, it really wasn't. It was really more of a high-end deal. They were trying to pitch it with bottle service and caviar and this real ultra lounge kind of super swanky experience. And, and it was it, quick to me to realize that, you know, no one's going to stay in there right. for three hours drinking a drink $500 bottle of Tito's, oh. right? right? So we quickly, you know, kind of pivoted to uh, attraction mode and, uh, and it, it kind of just hit. And we got lucky to have Travel Channel come do a, a story on us and it kind of went out to to nationally and um it kind of hit yeah. you know it really did but but we've morphed into a lot of things over the years do you have a pr guy for that kind of so stuff or are people it, reaching out yeah, to you if, you're, if you're watching this this is if you're if you're watching this on youtube you can see there's noel right there uh this is a, look, look at that, that look guy. at that look young at handsome that. man there success will get yeah. you old we, we got we got the before picture in here today that looks like the after photo juxtaposition that with the ice cream you yeah know, we, can we pretty crop that in yeah, there? we <laughs> might be we might be we might be able to so yeah i mean this so is that was the first bar though this is the first one where everything's built of ice. I yeah. mean, the glasses of ice. You go in and have a, have a great experience. That's enough of that. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where it, it, is a, it is a cool attraction. When you first took it over, like you said, they were trying to do all that stuff. So you immediately, because we had a lot of conversations about this when you, when you first did it. I'm not taking credit for any sure. of this. So you just would bounce stuff off of me and, and, and what I thought. And I thought, you know, looking, being able to look at the KPIs of that business and, and, the, and the, the indicators that really make it go, 
I think is where you excelled and brought something to the table that they didn't have. Cause like just the only thing I really remember vividly, and we had a lot of conversations about a lot of things that you did, but watermarking the, the photographs. <laughs> I mean, how much do you think annually that drove to the bottom line? Oh, I mean, you know, everyone would try to come out and either rip them off online or, or copy and paste them or, or do whatever. Mm -hmm. So yeah, hitting the watermarks and the photos were a big part of our deal, right? Yeah. Um, no, huge, huge, you know, tons and tons of money. I mean, we were doing a couple million bucks a year in just photo sales, right? It's, but, but remember, it's like, do you buy the, the, the picture after you get off the roller coaster at Disney yeah. or Six Flags? I mean, they snap right. you going all crazy and people want to take pictures. And at the beginning, phones in the beginning, this was 12 years ago now. Yeah. We, we've been going 12 years. Yep. Um, did I think it was going to last 12 years? No way. Yeah. No way. And I want, I want to get into how we kind of have grown with the time. No, we're getting to but, that, yeah. uh, but the photo thing in the beginning, the phones really weren't super attached to people 12 years ago. We had yeah. lockers. We wanted to lock everything up right. uh, for multiple reasons. You're holding a glass made of ice. And if you're dealing with your phone and whatever you drop it, it's a liability. So we would lock up your bags and your goods and our photographers would come in and we wanted to sell the photo. Mm -hmm. um, but eventually that became a very contentious point. And I held on to it probably two, Too long. Years, two years longer than I should have mm -hmm. uh, because we didn't want to lose that revenue. It was mm -hmm. a very, very difficult uh, step for me to take. Um, but once we did it, the, the, vi the, the viral media. nature of yeah. social media yeah. was hitting at the same time. It, yep. it actually increased sales, sales and made a better experience. Because you were driving it. So, I, I mean, listen, literally, your, your product is a room full of ice. It is a couple of drinks that come with your entrance. Booze, John. The booze. answer is booze. booze. That's it. But what I'm saying is if coming from the restaurant business where you're trying, you know, you're like, oh crap, this, this, you know, th these steaks are going to go bad if we don't sell them today. You know, chicken wings are on sale, whatever, you know, I mean, who played special, baby. You know, yeah. And, you, and you're trying to balance your labor. You're trying to do this. I mean, literally you go to, you go to the, it's the simplest thing in the world to do. You know, a lot of people, but yet I see people screwed up. That's my point. A lot of people would think that it's simple. I'm just going to build a freezer and walk in cooler yeah. and then have it happen. It, it, there's a, we learned a lot. Yeah. Ice is perishable. It has a mind of its own and it does different things every time, but it's also molecular. So when you think about it, the ice, you, they, these big blocks that we put together and before you know it, after a couple of days, they all, it just blends and melds together. But more so than that, you know, we were experiential before the whole experiential thing came into play. This is 12 years ago. Yeah. Look at Vegas today. All we the, were way yeah. ahead of the curve. Yeah. All the VR the, stuff. All, uh, the, all that. The skate the wheel. Rooms, no, uh, none Area of 51. Saw. We were. Yeah. Jason Egan stuff. An yeah. ice bar in the middle of the Mojave Desert and having this experiential 45-minute experience. Uh, we played well off the heat, but we were kind of ahead of the curve. And um, I think the beauty of our 12-year success is is you know i'd never rest on my laurels and it's funny because i've, I've got a pretty legit a uh, uh, loyal management team that's been with me a long time and uh i kind of come out of left field with, with some crazy concepts and they're like what are you what yeah you know, what are you thinking uh you know we, we, how do you keep up with it and i, I get a little nervous <laughs> about what and there's so much immersive stuff going on right now i'm reading a book or i read it already called the experience economy and if you haven't read it you need to pick it up it's, it, it's amazing. It talks about everything from, from how people are vacationing, you know, mm -hmm. these bloggers and these Instagrammers, these influencers are going out to foreign countries and they're, you know, it, it's, it's a work vacation. There's foodie vacations, there's medical vacations. I'm going to Mexico to get my teeth done. Mm -hmm. and, and it's amazing what people are doing. You know, who our biggest competition is right now. Yeah. It's a cell phone. I tell my staff every day, 
the second someone gets on a phone, and I'm not talking about to text their friends, hey, we're at the ice bar, we're gonna meet up later. I'm talking when they're just surfing, we've lost them. We've got to keep them engaged. Off of their phones. Really, fast forward 12 years, used to be we celebrated the art of ice. That was enough for people to get excited. It's not cheap to come in there, right? You come in there and we're always changing it. Ice is pliable, that's what's beautiful. We can move the bar, It, it just changes. In the beginning, it was like, wow, this ice is cool. And then the ice got smarter and better and more colorful and we did cooler things, interactive things. But now that's not enough. So we started adding different things. Right? What's this QR stuff about? What's a QR code? So now I've got you know QR codes all around with time lapses of how this particular wall was built, an expose on the ice carver that built it. Uh, we, we, we've added so many more immersive features inside. I've got a sorbet <laughs> tasting game. We have chef-driven. So you want to stare at your phone, at least stare at your phone with stuff that's well, involved we have in place. Fa- we right. have tricks in our back pocket yeah. that you know we, we, we tell our people the timing of introducing these in these experiential concepts within our concept, you need to wait. Don't blast them all at once. You know, mm-hmm. we, we know the life of, of an ice experience. It's uh, And ring toss. Right. Well, we, we had the ring toss until people start throwing them. Throwing. They shouldn't be throwing them. But, <laughs> you know, sorbet tasting games, if you guess the flavors, and we've got all these exotic flavors to... Um, um, scavenger do you, hunts. Do you do you have human flavored? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say I'd eat it. I was asking if Chris, the most interesting guy I know, would eat human flavor. That was it. That was all I was asking. All right. Hey Noel, do you have a PR team or but a big one or is a lot of it social media? Because you guys, if you know what you're looking at, right? Like you see a billboard and you're like, oh, now I see it all the time. Like now that I know you, you guys are everywhere yeah. like i see you on national channels on local channels all the time you know because we have such an exciting concept it's an ice bar in the middle of the mojave desert the camera does love us and it, it creates such rich content right. um but yeah i mean i have a pr firm to kind of help do some of that stuff but the influencers my social media gal is really where it's at i mean you've got to get everywhere to compete and you've got to have rich great content for people to, to, to get excited about. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, um, so, so you guys are kicking ass here. You get, you get where you're up and running the first doors here and you start thinking to yourself, I'm going to take over the world. We're going to have ice, ice bars on domination. every court. It's going to be an ice age. And that's dun, dun, when dun, the dun. big bucks start <laughs> exactly. rolling. So, so what are the thoughts you see, you get established at Manly Bay, it's doing great. So, so now you start dreaming about world domination. What's what happens now? You know, we 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 wanted to take another stab at Vegas. The question was, how many of these can we really do? Right? Is this a one hit wonder? Right. Do we figure it out? Um, and I had a a knack. I don't know if the company really was going to move on. I mean, we 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 had intentions to, but I'd been there and done that with Outback. I mean, I was all over the country signing leases and and really knew how to how to scale, if you will, and. Uh, we knew that this concept really wasn't for every town in America. It has to be a tourist town with specific turnover every week. Right. You know, we didn't do New Orleans, which I really wanted to do. It's so hot, a drink, mm-hmm. and you can drink on the street. But New Orleans can be a regional play. Same people kind of come every year. So about four years into it, you might fall off because they've yeah. all done it, right? So Vegas, Orlando, Nashville, you know, those types of really big turnover types New York. of towns. New York. Uh, but I really started scouting, uh, scouting Vegas and looking for dead spots in casinos. And my, our next stop was I went to Monte Carlo and there was the old David Copperfield or not David Copperfield, but there was a theater in there. Jabberwockies? Uh, no, there was a theater. Oh, for Jabberwockies. Uh, it wasn't Copperfield. I forgot the guy's name. Lance Burton. There you go. Theater. Lance, yeah. And uh, I was like, it was just 
dead eighties gift shop and a couple of shows. And I was like, you know, I'd, let me pitch these guys and see what's up. You know, we were already partners with MGM and sure enough, you know, we, we managed to pull that off and, and we put our second store there and it just came out of the gate. My gangbusters doing well, doing really well. And of course, from them, we're like, Oh shit, we, we're, put we're the gonna, throttle down. We're, we're, <laughs> we're moving on millions. Now, right? One on every corner. Yeah. Every corner. It's most of your people come in, uh, Walk bys, or are they people actually finding you to come to the experience? Like good, good question. It's, uh, it's a fifty uh, percent um, viral, organic kind of you know walk by, and then the other fifty is kind of destination. We we pre-sell a ticket online. They know where they're going. We're part of their plans. We're before dinner, after dinner, before show, after show, and that is growing exponentially the, the, because of all of the, the digital advertising, the things that we're doing online. Mm -hmm. That's why we're popping up everywhere. You know, if you're not using digital marketing right. you yeah. know if you're in business you shame on you you have to, you have to use it you have to and so, know what you're doing so monte carlo's open and then but then all of a sudden they come to you and go like hey just kidding <laughs> just kidding <laughs> no they they uh they went in there we 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 got about three or four years out of it well let's let's back up a little bit yeah, okay. because i i from that we we started sorry, really Col colt interrupted you and just ruined the whole podcast <laughs> I'm sorry. it's it's every Thanks, colt. no because it's every, it's, your location's again, very ruined the podcast. that mall's a very uh, to me is it's just a weird location yeah. right that walkway so i was one i just always wondered that took, took us a year to convince mandalay bay to do it really yeah. it's another story but then we wound up getting a spot in new york then some people started coming to us you know some people had experienced it and they were looking yeah. for cool immersive attractions retail was starting to kind of sl slow down they wanted cool things for their property so long story short we we got new york going <laughs> at the uh it's the second temperature related pun right <laughs> see, see? uh we got new york city and then we did one in orlando uh on international drive and um so we had four going and things were kind of swimmingly until until dun 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 what happened noel I don't know. I mean, you sometimes you pick good real estate, sometimes you pick bad real estate. And you guys are in the real estate game, mm -hmm. especially on the commercial side. And uh, New York was great. Um, matter of fact, when New York hit, we opened up in a heat wave in July. And the media, I've never seen anything like it in my life. For a week straight, we had lines and lines of national media waiting to get into film. We were being broadcast in Egypt and, and you name it, we were everywhere which I think is great. I, I know is great. It helped really get Vegas on a national stage. Uh, Orlando, you know, we opened for about two years. It was just the wrong site, wrong place. We thought it was going to work. Point stuff. Con convention center. And it just, uh, it, it just did not work. Uh, so we wound up closing that deal. And uh, sometimes you got to be careful what you wish for. So let's, well, let's, let's talk about that. So, so this is another mistake that a lot of people make when they start to scale. Right. And, and I love talking about scaling businesses because that's what I kind of feel like my forte is. And, you know, you asked me earlier, you said, you know, hey, have you made a mistake yet? <laughs> you asked me flat out with scaling. I was like, yeah, we, we made a mistake in Atlanta. We made a mistake with the wrong, we backed the wrong horse. And rather than go down the hole of, of, of just, you know, losing our ass, we just said, hey, maybe it's better time we cut bait and move this somewhere else. And that's what we did. But, but, but at the same time, when you're in growth mode, that's a really hard thing to do. I know it was for me. So what, I mean, it was, are you strictly looking at PLs? Like, are you starting to add up like this one, this is feeding that and this is causing a problem. And what was that decision like for you? Uh, of course you, you've got partners and sometimes in certain situations you've got OPM, you know, other people's money mm -hmm. that are involved and you, you, you have liability to them and, and, and you're trying to get their return on investment back. 
And uh, closing a store is not an easy decision. I mean, I, I, I think pride certainly is the, one of the first things you have to overcome. You know, I can make it work. I can turn it around. We're winners, and especially yeah. on the restaurant side. You know, you yeah. let me get a crack at that. I'm, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch it up, you know. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you, you can't send a, a duck to Eagle School. The sight is what it is. You just can't. It, it, a tiger doesn't change its stripes. It, it, uh, you can't send a duck to Eagle School. You know, I like that, it, I like that a lot. <laughs> It's that's, true because it, it, I think that's best thing said today. That's great. How many people do that all the time? You see the same restaurant go in, out in eight months, in, out in eight months. Everybody's like, they didn't know what they're the doing. The death spot, as right. we call them. Yep. That's the death spot. You yep. get <laughs> you get lightning can strike a couple times, but right. you know when you got the fifth iteration of, of a restaurant, it, it's, it's usually something, work. right? You've yeah, been to like, Town right. Square, yep. <laughs> yeah, right, dude? Every, there are a couple yeah. spots there that well, are I'll just cursed. There is a witch that is cursed. If you're if you're facing double helix. I, we all know which we one. Everything we knew where we were done. going. Almost went you're up done. There. I almost went up you're there with, with our new Bohemia concert. If you're, if you're to the right, you're done. You have to be a left, national left, franchise. Zero. Can, yeah, left, you can, you can dance underwater and not get wet. As much as you want. <laughs> On the right, to the right you're you dead, are man. barbecued from day one. <laughs> Just, no, I can do this. They've had done. nine iterations. Just However, 12, 12 things years. How does Blue Martini do it? Well, no, they're no, because the they're on the left. They're on the left. over here, you got favoritism. Right? <laughs> yes, there was literally, a, 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 there, there's no rhyme or reason. You got, me. You you got, got favoritism. Me. No rhyme or reason. <laughs> oh, national brands, oh, right? There's certain national brands that can pull you Nothing back in the there. back thing. Oh, there's a lot that could work Nothing. there. Just no one's, there's no need to compete in that biggest space. But yeah, the right side that's is how just you, dead. right? Like I you agree. see it. John, back, back to your point, you know, when is the right time to cut bait and move on, right? Right, right. That's the hard question for everybody. And, and we had to make some tough decisions with it, and I think it's the best thing we've ever done. Kind of like back to your bankruptcy thing. Yep. I didn't want to do it. I know. I fought it. I fought it. But as soon as I did it, all the doors opened. Right. And you know, people always say, "Well, I'm not the kind of person that quits." Yeah. Right. Yep. You associate losses with who you are as a person. Right. Yeah. It, meanwhile, instead of being like, "Well, what winners do is they do the things they win at too," yeah. right? Yeah. Because Derek Jeter is probably a pretty shitty uh, offensive lineman, <laughs> right? But he's, I'm a winner with the Yankees. I should be great, you know. It's like, no, 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 no. Like you said, you don't. Ducks don't go to Eagle School, hey, and we can all hey, be Uncle hey, Rico hey, and be hey, like, hey, I, if, hey. if Coach would have put me in, I would have won state. But you, you say you saying the captain can't block? Is that what you're saying right now? You say, I bet there's some New York Yankee fans probably, that disagree with that. The Yankee saying the captain can't block. Throw in some wedge breakers. I'm, once in a while, maybe something. But you, like, you're right. You can't put a duck in, in Eagle School for for that very same reason. You just yeah. you know realize you, you have to look at yourself in the mirror and make that decision. And some people, that's their last location think of these mom and pop folks yeah, right yeah. they're gonna have to keep it going or, or you know but it, it doesn't work it doesn't work yeah you know, well, you've got to move on along those terms it's funny i did a speaking gig right about a year ago one of the one of the deals i did it was in one of the barber shop i was there and it just you know your memories come up on your stories where people tag and stuff and this happened a year ago and every single kid this was this was like this was a bunch of 20 year old kids right it was a bunch of really young set from really young crew for me not my normal standard crowd right and uh, the thing that they were all posting that I resonated with that I said when I was like, look, don't become what you do because what you do will change several times. And I think the ability for truly successful people that scale is their ability to detach themselves from the failures and just under, just let it, just let the truth be in the math. You know what I learned from the Outback fallout? What's that? It was my whole identity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I did not know anything else except what I learned with that company. I knew people. I knew energy. But it's who you were. But I, I literally, when you say don't let it become who you are, yeah. 
it was who I was. I yeah. was devastated. Yeah. And I, a lot of people don't really understand what I went through. Oh, it, dude, it, I, it was heavy, man. It yeah. was a tough, tough time. But you're absolutely right. You have to have a life outside of what you do, and you have to balance that. If not, you just become possessed, and, and, yeah. and it'll hurt you. It'll sting you. You don't, make bad corporate decisions. Yeah. Like, don't let who you are. Become, like yeah, what you towing do? John's car after six <laughs> margaritas at Chili's. I thought I forgot about Chili's. I did not. <laughs> I'm guessing Noel was in Salt Lake City for a couple of, yeah. for a couple of years. He may know somebody up there, like an attorney or somebody like that. Chili's, towing my Chili's. car. Towing my you. car. You know, I didn't forget about you. You, know, you thought you were going to get a pass. I didn't forget about you. But you know what else I didn't forget about? It is that time that my favorite time of the podcast we go every year, uh -oh. every week. Are you ready? No you, are, are you ready uh, for this? I have it, no idea what's coming, but could, I'm ready. It could get dark. It's my you're favorite not, time. You're not in trouble. It's me that gets it's a, in it's trouble a, it's, now. It's, it's, it's a dark and evil place. It is five questions into the mind of cults. Still upset. That's music you guys went. Through. No, what the, okay, I'm going to yeah. figure out good, upbeat, no. happy because that's what people think of when they think of me. No, it's it's a dark and it's a dark and terrible place. And now we're going to go. Ready? Here, here we are. Your five questions for the week, Colt. You prepared? No. Let's hear them. What is one thing you wish you'd spent more time doing when you were younger? Uh, one thing I wish I would have done. Yes. <sighs> Having fun. Sports. I was into sports way too much as a kid. You would have done less sports? Yeah, less sports? 100%. I probably wouldn't have played any sports, to be honest, if I could oh redo it again. God, what a, what a bad take. Why? <laughs> That's I like, think about what sports dude, do. Football, no, what did do? Freaking wreck my knees, wreck my brain, oh, wreck my. Physically. Yeah. Physically. But, but, but also, like, I'm. It, it, I don't know if I'm a kid at 18, but I didn't have a college experience. Like I went straight into doing commercial real estate and working a lot. So I wish I'd have had fun doing that. But no, I I don't know. I I had a good childhood. So sports is <laughs> really. I, I I actually think sports is one of the most instrumental things. Oh, 100 people. That gets overshadowed because people think it's for meatheads when, when in reality, everybody no. I know yeah, but was, it was very successful. It was six days, a, yeah. six days a uh, week, yeah, really. 52 weeks a year, right? Yeah. So I don't know that much. Yeah. 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 Dude. All so right. nothing important next, there. Right, next question. Kind of lame. If you were a boss of many, would you want them to fear you or love you? Oh, fear. fear. <laughs> 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 that, no do we need to go back to the 48 <laughs> loss of power? power. That no, thing is fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah, Colt, it's the closest I've ever seen Colt to like literally passing out from happiness when we we're reading the 48 <laughs> loss of power. Have you read that, Noel? No, I haven't. Oh, oh dude, man. it is. Yeah, Robert Green amazing. will tell you straight up. He's like, look, I ain't. This, I'm not advocating you behave like this. <laughs> I'm, just I'm just saying you. this is how you get power. This is how you get power. Colt's right. going, no, no, no. Colt, that yeah, is a manifesto. That is a manifesto for my life. <laughs> did you guys not really enjoy that as much as I did? <laughs> no, Colt, I, I was know, sitting here thinking honestly, about those are traits of narcissistic psychopaths. <laughs> <laughs> you were all about it, which was amazing. Like, all right, next up. We need to do that episode again. <laughs> if if you were a captain of a ship, what would you call it? A captain of a ship? Yes. If you were if you were sailing the seas of Colt in search of humans to hunt on the open and seas. Eat. <laughs> no, the eating was for Connell. He just he just got hunted yeah, down. That was for Connell, guys. Yeah. That wasn't me. Yeah. A name of a ship? Yes. What would it be? You gotta give me time on the. You're such a good friend. I thought might be the relationship. Yeah. Hmm. No. Yeah. Is that what you think of me? Good yeah. friend? Thanks. He'd be, a, he'd be the, relationship. the relationship. The captain of the relationship. Yeah. I don't, I have I'm nothing just trying for to like that one. I'm trying me. to, yeah, I'm trying to go with <laughs> the think of a, I thought, it would I mean, be, it'd I be thought, the Bulgarian 
Freaking mongoose. No, I thought it would be the event because it'll take you wherever you want to go, but eventually it's probably it's going, going to drown you. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to hit a thing. Eventually it's going That's to kill a hard you. one. What would you guys the, the name problem. yours? What would you name yours? What That's a name, hard one. Name mine if I had a ship? Yeah. The Prestige Worldwide. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty good. There's one answer. Love boat. I love boat. What? <laughs> that's a hard question. I didn't like that right, question. Colt, here we go. Colton, that's like a that. hard. Yes. These are so right. far. I know sorry, guys. Sorry, go. guys. All these right. ones are not good. Oh, gee, this could be. This could go anywhere. I like when John's face picks up. <laughs> what's the strangest thing you've ever seen in the middle of the road? Uh, decapitated the uh, oh. body. Yeah, that's that's right. that's strange. Yeah, yeah. and that's yeah. Lot of, but you'll see Can a lot of shit. Can you some context, Cole? Did you do yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. No, no. I, I I've uh, unfortunately had multiple times bodies have flown in front of my Are car. Are you watching Stranger Things a little more than you need to? <laughs> Never seen it. Never, seen, Never it. seen it. But in Utah, you find a lot of weird shit in the middle of the road driving around. You don't right. do that in the in Vegas. You do. First you know, time we were ever in Cleveland, I saw a dead body you, you, in the road. You know, you know what? I think. Oh, right, oh yeah. You, you I was know, like, you know somebody what? else was talking about a dead body in the road. It was your daughter, Chris. <laughs> you know, you know Chris's daughter. <laughs> tell me a thing. Family I, trip I, to I, Cleveland. I'm going to hijack the segment, and we're going to do five questions with Noel. Okay, yeah, come, because right? I'm sorry. Okay, these well, were those well, were bad well, on my part. Like, here we go. Here we go. Time power. Here we go. Yeah. Sorry. Is a man a man if he's never seen a Star Wars movie? Yes. Yes, he is. Okay, he's like a real man. At you that know, point, he's thinking right? of like Amazonian, you know, no. tribesmen that are you know hunting for survival. That's a man. That's a man. So Perhaps he lives in a third world and hunts tigers. That and okay. I feel like I right. uh, mirror that All type right. of manliness. No, Buy, buying or selling Tom Hanks, great actor. Speak your mind. Be truth. <laughs> Be truthful. Yes. Okay. What? Bye. <laughs> Name so I'm one. Just, I'm just movie. trying to rile you up. That's Wilson. all I'm trying to do here. <laughs> You're going Wilson. Oh, You're going one. that just movie. That one line. Forrest okay. Gump. Come on, he's pretty good. In that. Oh, Saving Private Ryan. All right. No, you got out of your mind. Next you know question. how much, how better of a sh movie those would be with like a better movie? actors. All right. Next question. With like The Rock. Next question. The Rock and Saving Private Ryan would be <laughs> amazing. Here we go. As an English teacher, I would cry. <laughs> Next question. Is there any universe? where Colt could be an equestrian Olympian in a year and a half. Starting today, he has one and one. a half years to train with the best there are, the greatest access to the, the best you know jumping horses there are. Do you think that Colt, in his current state, <laughs> as it is day to day, 500 days out, be an Olympian equestrian medalist? I have my answer. Okay. And it's going to be well uh, backed up. No. Absolutely not. You have four for four, Noel. Do you yeah, know what? Four for four. I'm, I'm waiting before I. He before played I come way too many sports in high school and his knees are busted. Oh. Yeah, but guess what, Noel? It's more of just a shock absorbent because the horse does everything and I could suffer for. How, how long do they go? For three, two minutes. 90 seconds? So you don't think they're training every single day for the next 500 days we have something to do with it? Too? I don't think you need to train that hard. <laughs> I think it's all mental. The question is just not being afraid of the horse because the horse does everything. I love that I'm going against the grain of every cult question. Oh, yeah. Well, no, 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 no. Yeah, you're nailing it, man. It's because you're a human. You're not a pod person. <laughs> yeah, and he yeah. said I was a this man. Why. It's he like said I was a man for not seeing. <laughs> you know, it's why you didn't talk about the bobsled because I assume you think that does all the work too. 
No, because have you ever seen bobsledders? <laughs> yes. They're like 6'4", 240. I don't have Shredded, the frame yeah. for it. Yeah, yeah. they're like middle linebackers. I could have been could, a luge or a be, uh, skeleton. The, the, dub, the double luge where they yeah, land on top. You, you could be the top guy. <laughs> Do that every Saturday. Got a lot of training. <laughs> there it is. Well, I think we're going to go ahead and end on that. <laughs> no, well, really? <laughs> You're going Tom Hanks was amazing <laughs> in the, what Cast was that? Away? Cast Away? Cast Away. I we, can't believe you even watched that whole. It, you guys, you have. Well, I'm with you, you did maybe not the watch that whole or something. Movie. I didn't even watch it, but yeah. come on, Saving Private Ryan, Forrest Gump. Think about Forrest Gump's. But think about so cool. what you're talking about you drift right now off is, as you're, yeah. if you're still listening to this nonsense. <laughs> so obnoxious. Remember, thanks for the power move, and if you're gonna move, keep moving forward. <laughs> See you next time. Yeah, run, Forrest, run, run, Forrest. Horrible. We need a bourbon.